When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Just next door to us in Minnesota, farmers have the option of collecting cash if they don't call the federal government to get rid of problematic wolves. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. The group paying the depredation dollars is called Howling for Wolves, and they just started this pilot program in early August. Dave Ladd speaks on behalf of the organization, and he shares the logistics of the new program. He first explains how they came to this solution that they believe benefits both farmers and the wolf population. What is important to note up front is Howling for Wolves and say, the, the livestock sector, agriculture sector, there may be areas they, they don't see eye to eye, but from Hulling for Wolves perspective, when you have these, these issues arise, uh, is there a way we can work together uh, as far as providing some, you know, non-lethal prevention methods, uh, supplement, which is what the wolf bonus uh, program, payment program is, supplement what other indemnity payments that the, the producer may be receiving, uh, a way to kind of work together uh, to help maybe have some uh, prevention or other ways of doing things and, and just give it a try and see if there's a, a way that, that the two parties or the two sides can find some common ground. Yeah, and it happens to be uh, money <laughs> because money talks, right? So how much are we talking here? Give us a sense of what the, the payout looks like for working with Howling for Wolves. Yeah, so they can go through the same process uh, that they would go through, but they can go right to Howling for Wolves. They can say, we'll ask, it's all confidential. We'll ask some basic information. You know, when did you last see they had a livestock? You know, how old was it? Because there's different, you know, market prices. What date did it happen? Do you have maybe some pictures? But again, it's all confidential. We're not, we're not looking for, you know, real personal information as far as necessarily location of, of uh, the actual farm. You know, where did you see it? When did it happen? Those sorts of things. And then there's a scale, you know, for cows or younger, younger uh, livestock, it's uh, 600. And then above that is 750. So trying to at least try to give some sort of incentive to supplement what they may receive uh, elsewhere and then try to, you know, like I said, have them consider should they choose to, to have, and it's all voluntary, so should they choose to voluntarily make this call and have the conversation and try this out, then it would be voluntary and we can hopefully then just get it out in, in an expedited fashion, at least, uh, you know, our portion of it, the, the, the voluntary, you know, private money going to the, to the uh, producer. Is it just for cows and cattle or are you moving into other animal egg spaces uh, like pets, horses or hogs? Or sheep. That's part of the beauty of, of, of putting together and piloting a program like this, you know, seeing what works and what doesn't. You have the flexibility. So it's predator loss in the wolf territory, and, and under other circumstances, it would be considered on kind of a case-by-case basis. Usually we hear about cattle. That's the nice thing is the flexibility to say, I've had this happen, would this qualify, and then decide if, if that's something that would also fit with what Howlings for Wolves is, is willing to compensate or supplement uh, under this program. So there's some opportunities there to, to have other livestock. We just usually hear about cattle, but obviously there are other areas where uh, these incidences occur. 
Walk us through now what happens. Uh, so the farmer calls howling for wolves. What does that interaction look like then? Do you have staff that come out to the farm? What do they have to look for to make sure that it was a wolf-related incident? Well, that's another nice thing is that they, they call, and they're probably going to talk to me, and we say, okay, how do we work together on this? You know, maybe they want to do a Zoom meeting. Maybe we just say, you know, when those questions I asked before, when does this, you know, when did it happen? When's the last time you saw them? You know, those, those kind of those confidential questions. Um, and so we can work with what they're comfortable in doing. So if they want us to come out, certainly uh, we can do that. We really have flexibility in, in, in working with trying to make this as seamless and, and, and easy for the producer uh, to engage with Hauling for Wolves and, more importantly, engage with this Wolf Bonus Payment Forgiveness Program. Where does the money come from? Is, are you guys getting help from the state on this, or is this through donations? Where are you getting that depredation dollars? Yeah, there was a foundation that provided funding for this to for this program to pilot it, try and, and get it up and running, and then also for other non-lethal prevention methods. So there are, you know, obviously interested parties to say, hey, we would, pref- you know, we prefer to try this, and so it has come through through foundation dollars to again, Holly for Wolves is a 501c3, so they're a nonprofit, and so that is is where we also have the flexibility to kind of try to address some of these issues. Have you gotten any responses yet from producers from the agriculture community on this effort? What we've tried to do also is have relationships or have the conversations. I have long-standing relationships in just the agriculture sector and community, not just in Minnesota, but regionally and, you know, kind of around the, the country. And so what we've had, too, is just had conversations with some of these stakeholder organizations saying, you know, if you hear of someone or you think there might be a, a there there, uh, have them give us a call as well. And so it's early on in the process we're starting to get that word out. We we do hear anecdotally on occasion that there might be uh, a producer who doesn't really want to call in a trapper. Uh, so we want to make sure that those that may have that be of that opinion or want to take that approach that they have a, an opportunity to do so. Yeah, because the only other option is you if you have an animal down from a wolf is to call the USDA Wildlife Services Division, and then they trap the wolves out of the area. So what's their response then to this kind of uh, alternative? Have, have you talked to USDA about this? Have they? What's their reaction? Yeah, and we've had conversations, and again, I don't speak for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, so uh, I don't speak for them, but we've, we've, you know, again, like everything, try to, obviously they have their perspective on this, um, but it's to try to, to say, you know, where can we maybe make it better, maybe where, what are you hearing, um, we try to keep those lines of communication open, not always going to see eye to eye, and that's fine. Um, I think what's important is that you have a willingness to have the conversation and have uh, exchange the ideas and, and, and try to make something happen where you can have kind of that, that common ground or what they used to say in public policy, that half a loaf, right? Um, so we, we've tried to be uh, communicate, communicate with uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, let them know. We're, you know, there's other projects where we also maybe can work with them. And so these are part of uh, broader conversations as to ways where we could potentially partner 
uh, and Ken partner. So this is one of many areas uh, where we kind of give them a heads up or kind of give them our perspective on why uh, this approach is, is something we'd like to try. Yeah. And Dave, lastly, I want to talk about the footprint of Howling for Wolves and this program specifically. Is this just happening in northern Minnesota? And do you see potential for it to grow perhaps into neighboring states like Wisconsin? It, it could. Uh, right now it is. It's what we call the traditional wolf range in Minnesota. And there's maps, you know, that you can go kind of how that, what that range looks like as of, I think, 2021 is the most recent. Uh, uh, I think it's a DNR. I believe it's a DNR map. But, there, you know, that's kind of the range. But, again, if we see something further south or out of, outside of that, that was something in Minnesota. That's something we would consider. Was it a wolf or was it uh, another predator? Uh, that may happen somewhere outside of what is on that map for the traditional or the current wolf range in, in, in Minnesota. Um, we're happy to have that conversation as well. So there is really, I think the things that really stick out to, to me is it is, it's, it's, it's voluntary and it's flexible and it's an opportunity. I think those things, it's not prescriptive. It's something that, again, each ma- each, each person, each rancher each farmer they every every operation is unique right this provides for some of those opportunities to address um, what an operator might want to do based on their philosophy and or their operation that's dave ladd speaking on behalf of howling for wolves again this new pilot program starting in northern minnesota will pay farmers private depredation dollars if they don't call the government to trap problematic wolves. And there's a look at what's happening next door. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.